Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Please check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to... John chapter 1. As you make your way there, let us come before the Lord and pray for the reading and the preaching of His Word. Father, what a divine privilege it is to be able to come together as your family and to worship you. We've come here, Lord God, to give praise and honor to you and to Christ who has redeemed us. Father, we pray as we come before your word, Lord, that we have, would have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts that are ready to receive the food of your word, Lord, and that it would take its place in our lives and transform us more and more in the image of Christ. Father, we are at this point of the year where we have we've been celebrating the incarnation, but we're also looking forward to the new year, and that sets all of our minds and hearts on things that are new and coming up. Father, if there is one thing that we could resolve to do and to be, Lord, is to, to, to resolve to be new in our affections for you, Lord, that we would be reminded every single day of the grace that you have given us, that the basis of our relationship with you is not changed, it is still by grace, through faith. And we thank you for that, Lord. Father, I pray that as we read your word today, that it would glorify you, and that, Father, we would be transformed in the image of Christ. And we thank you for that. And we pray in his name. Amen. So, a few years ago, we had a special um, Christmas message. Um, and what I did was instead of actually having a taking a passage of scripture and then creating this whole you know Christmas message around it, what I did was simply read to you what the text said and allowed the text to speak for itself. And when we did that, it seemed like a lot of people really appreciated that. And for me, as I went back through my notes again, I'm reminded of the beauty of God's word but also the continuity of the, the subject matter, that it has been completely about God and His plan of redemption from the very beginning. And that it's been about the gospel from Genesis to Revelation. If you have read through the Bible, you will notice that very same thing. And so with that being this morning, what I would like to do is to walk you again through the Scriptures um, and look at this Christmas story once again and the gospel that it's all about. And uh, if you're someone who likes to get to go through Scripture, well, then today's your day, okay? Because we're going to go through a lot of them. Now, with that being said, you can keep up. I will give you the Scripture reference, and you can turn if you would like to. Otherwise, you can just sit and, sit and listen. Let the Word of God have its effect in your heart. And so we're going to begin with John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, not anything was made that was made. In Him was life. In Genesis chapter 1, all the way to the very beginning, we read these words that inspired John's words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw this light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And then in verse 26, it says, And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created him in his own image, male and female. He created them and blessed them. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And then in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 15, it reads, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you will eat of it, you will surely die. And then in verse 18 it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord God took one of his ribs and he made a woman and he brought her to the man. Therefore, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. And the world at that point was perfect. It was as God had said, very good. That was the state of mankind that he was created into. That was what we were created for, that intimate, personal relationship with God. And this is how we were supposed to live. But it all changed. In Genesis chapter 3, we read, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? The lie that destroys always begins with doubting the goodness and the Word of God. Destruction always begins when we doubt God's goodness and we doubt what God says in His Word. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree, in the, the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. So she took of its fruit and ate. And then she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. This man who was created to glorify God in his life. This man who was created for an intimate relationship with God chose the lie over the glory of God and forsook his responsibility to protect his wife and ate. Then both of their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. 
And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. This is the beginning of man's separation from God, by the way. I don't know if you realize this. The separation of man from God begins with man trying to run from God, hiding from God. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I've commanded you not to eat? What is this you have done? All the way to Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. And then Romans 1, we are reminded that The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, as we have been talking about, because God has shown it to them. For for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and His divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So we are without excuse For although they knew God, they did not honor God as God and give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Sounds a lot like today, huh? Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their body amongst themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For for their women exchanged natural relations with those that are contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women that were and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, heaven help those who won't acknowledge God. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, strife deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, haunty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. And then Romans makes Romans 3 makes this indictment universal, and he says, no one is righteous. No Not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. If there's a truth that we all ought to remember, it's that truth right there. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throats are an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is on their lips. Their mouths are full of bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery in the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes, and there is no distinction for all 
have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages that we are told of sin is death. And they were dead, not sick, not feeling bad. They were dead in their trespasses and sins, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the serpent himself. The spirit that would now work in the sons of disobedience, living in the passions of their flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Judgment of God, the judgment of God has come upon the world. In Revelation, the last book, 20 verses 11 through 15, we're told, For I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth, and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which was the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades were gave up the dead that were in them, and they were judged, each one according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This, brothers and sisters, is the story of the world. This is the story of all of us. The second London Baptist Confession of Faith summarizes all of this and says, God created humanity upright and perfect. He gave them a righteous law that would have led to life if they had kept it but threatened death if they broke it. Yes, they did, not, they did not remain for long in this position of honor. Satan used his craftiness of the, of the serpent to seduce Eve, who then seduced Adam. Adam acted without any outside compulsion and deliberately transgressed the law of their creation and commanded and the commandment given to them by eating of the forbidden fruits. By this sin, our first parents fell from their original righteousness and communion with God. They fell from a righteous standing with God and fell into sin. And we fell in them. And through this, death came upon all. And they became dead in sin and completely defiled in all of the capabilities and parts of soul and body. By God's appointment, they were, not, they were the roots and the representative of the human race. And because of this, the guilt of their sin was accounted and their corruption, corrupted nature passed on to all of their offspring who descended from them by ordinary means of procreation. Their descent, the descendants are now conceived in sin and by nature children of wrath and servants of sin and partakers of death and all the miseries, spiritual, temporal, and eternal, unless the Lord Jesus himself sets them free. Act, all acts, actual transgressions arise from this first corruption. By it, we thoroughly are biased against and disabled and antagonistic toward all that is good, and we are completely inclined toward all that is evil. This is the story of mankind. And so what can we do then? How can we save ourselves? As David says, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. As Paul says, we are by nature children of wrath, the enemies of God. 
As he further says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, and we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. We can't even do enough to earn salvation. Isaiah the prophet even says, we are all become like one that is unclean. And all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf for our iniquities, like the wind take us away. Even the best that we have to offer God is still rubbish. So where does our hope come from? Indeed, where does our hope come from? Our hope then comes from the Lord. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Now, the birth of Christ took place in this way. In Luke chapter 1, we read, In the beginning, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man who was named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And God came to her, and the angel of the Lord came to her and said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to, to be born will be called Holy Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her who was called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to the town of Judah, and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. The first person to recognize and to worship the sovereign king was an unborn child. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when she, when the, heat, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed, blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. In Matthew chapter 1, it reads, And when Jesus the Mary, the mother, when Jesus' mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But, when, but as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And then Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree had went out from Caesar Augustus that all would be registered and all to be registered to each of his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee to, from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to the firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And the Apostle John writes, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God became a man. And then it says, And in the same region there were shepherds in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for, our, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angel went away, from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they had made known what had been told to them concerning the child. And, and all who heard it wondered. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her hearts. And the shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen. And then at the end of eight days, he was circumcised and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel as he, before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time had come for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now when, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and his name was and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit had was upon him. And it was it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, he took him in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them. And there was a prophetess, 
Anna, the, father, the daughter of Phanuel, from the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and, and to speak of Him. All who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now in Matthew chapter 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. Where, he, where is he who has been born, the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose and went, and we have come to worship him. And then Herod the king heard this and was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And Assembling all the chief priests, the scribes of the people inquired of him where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, Bethlehem in Judea. Then Herod summoned the wise men and secretly ascertained what time the star had appeared. And, they, and he said to them to go to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring word to me that I too may want, come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that had, they had seen, when it rose before, went before them until it came to rest over the place where there was the child. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is why we give gifts. Now when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice heard in Ramah weeping, and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because she was no more. The story of Christmas, we always remember the soft, silent night and the tenderness, but we forget the violence of the enemy as he comes to undo the work that God is doing. But when Herod died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who have sought the child's life are dead. And then he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he'd heard that Archelaus was, the, was reigning over Judea in the place of the father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in the, in the city called Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom and favor of God and of man was upon him. And in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. John had appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
And all of the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, a strap, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered, let this be so, be so now, for, this, for thus it is f- uh, fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And then when Jesus was baptized, immediately he came up. He went up from the water, and behold, the heavens opened up to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, coming to rest upon him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And in Matthew chapter 4 it reads, And then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put your Lord your God to the test. And the angel, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. And in Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, it reads, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Luke 9, 10, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and more life abundantly. He says, for I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. And then he says, if there's any question, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. As he says in John 3, 4, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have, present tense, eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Again, could it be any more descriptive of where we are? For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest their works be, should be exposed. But whoever does what, what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The light shines in the darkness. 
and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light which gives light to everyone who was coming into the world, and he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own people didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how they might destroy him. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking a way to put him to death, and they, but they feared the people. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and they sought an opportunity to betray him. In John 13, we read, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, and having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas to betray him, Jesus knowing that, his, that the Father had given all things into His hand and that He had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper and He laid aside His outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around His waist and He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet, including Judas. When He had washed their feet, He put out His put on his outer garment, and he resumed his place, and he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and for right, you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I've given you an example that you should also do just as I've done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than a master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you do these things... Blessed are you if you do them. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit, testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. And one of the disciples said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is he to whom I give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas. And after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. And when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. But a new commandment I have given to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also love one another. By this, by this love that you have for one another, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And then in Mark 14, it says, and then they went to the place of Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed. If it were possible that the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. 
yet not what I will, but what you will. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers, went there with lanterns and torches. And then Jesus, knowing that, he, that all that would happen to him, came forward and said, Whom do you seek? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said to them, I am he. And they drew back and fell on the ground. At the power of his own name, his enemies will fall. And so he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, then let these men go. And so the band of soldiers arrested Jesus, bound him. First, they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. And then they led Jesus to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning, and so Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against the man? And they answered, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. And Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate said to him, So are you a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is truth? Is there a more tragic moment in human history that a man would ask the question, what is truth standing to the very embodiment, next to the embodiment of truth? And he said this, and and after he said this, he went back out to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release to you one man for the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out, no, not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in purple robes, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. And so Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold, the man... When the chief priests saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you're not a friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. And so Pilate heard these words, and he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat, and he said, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. And so he delivered him over to them to be crucified. And when they came to the place called the skull, where they crucified him, and the criminals on on the right and on the left, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. The soldiers mocked him also, coming coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, If you were the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. 
But the other rebuked him, saying, We do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then Jesus calling out in a loud voice, He said, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. And finally He said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he died. And then in Matthew chapter 27, and behold, the curtain of the temple in that moment was torn in two from top to bottom. And the way between God and man was open again. And as Isaiah the prophet reminds us, He was despised, and I don't know how anybody who's Jewish reads Isaiah and not see this connection. But he says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities upon him, the chastisement that brought peace. And by his wounds we were healed all We like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before the shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. More literally, it pleased Yahweh to crush him. And as Paul tells us, this is the moment that God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring to God, right? That He might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh and being made alive in the Spirit. Then when evening came, they, there was a rich man named Ar- uh, from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus, and he went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And then Pilate ordered it be given to him, and Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen shroud and laid it in, a, in his own new tomb which he had cut out of the rock and rolled a great stone at the entrance of the tomb and went away. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing like the whitest snow And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. But he is not here. He has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, Now I remind you, brothers... 
the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain, for I've delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And He has appeared to Cephas and to the Twelve, and then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom were still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, and then all the apostles, and last of all, to one untimely born, He appeared also to me. For I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. If there is a phrase that we could all remember, that as well. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me is not in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them, though it is not I, but the grace of God that is in me, whether then it was I or they, we have preached and you have believed. And as Paul says in Romans chapter 115, for I'm eager to preach the gospel to you, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And you were dead. We were all dead in our sins and trespasses. And once we walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind. And by nature, we were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show His immeasurable riches of grace in kindness towards you in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And he says in 1 Timothy, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, For He says, in favorable times, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now it is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are all, which are not written in this book. But these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. And so believe, brethren, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent and believe the gospel and you will be saved. The God that created you for a relationship, to be with Him, connected with Him. The God that you were separated from without any hope has come into the world on a rescue mission and has rescued your dead, tired bones off the bottom of the seafloor and given you new life. 
Repent and believe the gospel and you will be saved. That is the promise. And that right there is the life-giving word of the Lord. And that also is the whole point of the Christmas story. So Merry Christmas to you all. We pray for you. You've been listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a production of First Baptist Church in Boron, California. Our website address is fbcboron.org. And would you please consider partnering with us financially as we work to share the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world.